You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Listen, people, you better take on. 
Listening to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters. In the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe. It simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God. For all that God has done and for all that God will do. We say, we pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Timeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured us libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe. 
Report us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe. Civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So we poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe? We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. And I am your host, Baba Oshi Hotep family. Hope everything is well with you today. It is Wednesday, so you got to get over the hump. So I hope you get a chance to do all the things you want to do, should do, will do, and can do. No, you can do and will do. See, will is the last one because do you have the will? To do it. That's the main question for us, isn't it? Do we have the will? And many of the people answer that 
by saying, I don't think they got the will to do it. But I believe, see, even though I'm on this program and I, and I say the things that I say in the way that I say them, I know we have the will. It just got to be manifested. It has to be done. And of course, it may not happen in my lifetime, but I, I think that's one thing for me. I, I continue to pray to see it move in that direction. I'm encouraged always by the numbers of um, Africans and American Africans who recognize who we are and try to re- try to create that reality. You know that that uh, really want to truly re-Africanize ourselves and do for ourselves and believe in self-determination, liberation, sovereignty for African people and, and, and work in that vein. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. You know, putting it again, I was encouraged by that about 20-some years ago when I used to go to the Black Men's Think Tank in Cincinnati, Dr. Eric Abercrombie, where many of our great scholars used to present, you know, um, Naeem Akbar, Milana Karinga, so many. I shouldn't even get to start to name Malefi Kadiasanti. Unfortunately, just named two of the cats that I have a little distaste for, but <laughs> but still, some great scholars besides. Um, this is African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, or 8 to 10 Pacific, or any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, you can always go to our archives at timeforanawakening.com. And when you go to the website, you'll see podcasts. Click on that to drop down. You'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. But, of course, you can always go to this through the shortcut, just whatever search engine you use, you know, just put in babaoshi.net, B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I.net. And once again, programs that are dated and titled. Other programming we have here on Typhoon Awakening Media, and of course, um, this program, once again, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And all times are going to give our Eastern Times. Many programs are still in a hiatus, and hopefully new ones are coming on board. Uh, Tuesdays uh, from 8 to 10, from 8 to 10 on Tuesdays, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. I know he's been under the weather, and I pray that he is healing, and I talked to him a few last week, and uh, hopefully he's on soon. On Fridays, oh, Thursday, excuse me, tomorrow, Thursday from 7 to 8, Mississippi on the move, the Black Liberation Movement. The Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move. And then on Friday, from 8 to 10 on Friday, if it's 8 p.m. on Friday, it's time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Saturdays from 7 to 9, Sankofa Elders Council. And then Sunday at 7 p.m., once again, time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. And the number to call is 215-490-9832. We Buy Black. We Buy Black, the largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses. We Buy Black. Dot com. Get everything you need from American African owned businesses. WeBuyBlack.com. Africa for the Africans, Brother Bamani, Tayimba, 
something is happening with the uh, with the server for him, and the uh, program wouldn't come up. But of course, if you want to see pictures of previous tours, go to facebook.com forward slash Bomani. And if you want to see videos of previous tours, go to youtube.com forward slash Bomani 2007. He has a trip upcoming to to Ghana. No, excuse me, to Tanzania. Tanzania, November. You know, Give him a call at 404-931-9429. 404 404- Nine three one nine four two nine Africa for the Africans dot org Habasha Habasha Incorporated dot org Habasha Incorporated they're ready to go with the launch of the Kashi project that is this month the fifteenth next week next week next week Saturday from nine a.m. to five p.m. in Ghana. They will show you all the beautiful things that they have done, the village that they created, you know, HalashahIncorporated.org, the Kashi Project, and the many programs that they do. I'm very proud and happy about what Kashi, helping Africa by establishing schools at home and abroad, has done. The Kashi Project, outstanding. Ledge, ledge, land for the environmental development for group economics, the Les Group, Brother Peter Brown. Of course, they have 12 projects going on in six different African countries with over 170 employed and over 260 members. Always need more members and maybe can employ some more folks. They deal in the area of existence of food, water, clothing, and shelter. And, and I said this and I mean it. I want to get them and uh, Brother Moses West to begin to have dialogue and see if what can come up, you know, what 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 can be done to bring these two organizations together. Ah, <sighs> yeah. Abibia to me, a b i b i t u m i, Abibia to me dot com. They have an app thing that you can go to abibia to me dot com. Send video messages, attachments, photos, commit new for African people, join African powerful groups, shop BB2Me store, physical, digital products, post status updates and PDFs, photos and so forth. You know, BB2Me.com and together app piece. So check it out. A B I B I T U M I dot com. Smile Pharmacy. It's my pharmacy. Brothers and sisters, contact Brother Jabril at 731-327-6229. That's 731-327-6229. And uh, if you really want to develop a holistic program for you, he'll do it for you, brothers and sisters. Give him a call or give him an email if you want to do that at Smy Pharmacy, S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y at gmail.com Brother Moses West now this 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 Friday I get an update from Jackson Mississippi on what's happening with the water program and the machine that they've they have in Jackson how it's operating or going to operate you know what's what's become 
clear to me is that there is no problem for drinking water. And I know there's a drought in East Africa, Central East Africa, that doesn't have to be. And even if you have water, sometimes it's not drinkable, you know? So there is no problem to, to develop the ability to give drinking water to a population. The technology, Brother Moses West has done it. And, and, and somebody called about another program. Uh, in fact, I seen another brother talk to him because I was talking to him about Brother Moses West and he talked about another um, program. I'm not sure. I know in talking with Brother Moses West that there was another entity that was out there, but the, it wasn't as effective as what he has done in the research that he has done to perfect the machines that he builds. That's right, he builds them, you know. So, but the bottom line is, you know, we got to help out Jackson. You know, they should have helped out Flint. And, and, and that's the thing about this country. The infrastructure of this country and a lot of places around the world need to be repaired and replaced. The infrastructure needs to be repaired and replaced. I mean, if you're just going to repair wires in 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 the Caribbean because poles snapped or were blown down or wires all over the place, I think it would be logical to say, let's put some serious money into building ditches and putting these wires underground. Wrapping them in BX, MX, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I'm quite sure it's done and it can be done and it, what it is, it should be done because it's going to happen again. That's the thing about climate change and, and so some of the people in the, in, in, in the southeast where a lot of the, 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 torn, uh, the hurricanes happen, they usually... And in the past, 20, 15, 20, 30 years or more ago, they would say, it'll pass over. We'll be all right. We can last for, for a few hours. It'll be all right. That was then. This is the day of climate change. And what it means is their climate extremes. The hurricanes are stronger and they last longer. The tornadoes, the same thing. The same thing. They are stronger last longer, more destruction, cutting a swath of, of land, you know, maybe a mile wide. Hurricane just going through, as you've seen, through the middle of Florida. Just the storm surge, the water surge. That's what it is. I mean, when the, 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 the hurricane pushes the water. Water comes up in there five, seven, ten, 12, 15 feet even higher. More deadlier. So, to me, if they say it's coming, it's this, and it looks like it's going to be this, and it's that, and yeah, I'm out of here. I can board my windows up in my place, try my best to make sure that it is, you know, waterproof to the best of the ability, and leave. Go out, go west, go north, whatever leave over 100 people have died in Florida South Carolina I believe I think that's the closest because last I heard was like 
almost 90. So and I know they weren't finished searching. That's why I made that guesstimate. I'm not certain that over 100 people, but I surmise because they were still searching. And once again, some people said, hey, I'm going to ride this out because they rode the others out in the past. But it's a different day. It's a day of climate change. Different situation. And because of that, these water machines are a necessity. They should be through the supervisory of Brother Moses West, places where they're being built in regions of the country. So, in, in fact, globally, globally they should be built. Because what's more essential to human beings than water? You can live days without food. Three days without water. Your ass is going crazy. And if you're drinking just because you need some liquid, some bad water. Yes, I've heard of people drinking urine. Yeah. On a, from a survival standpoint. People do, do whatever to survive. That's just like in the old <clears throat> last poet's apple. Do not speak of revolution until you are willing to eat rats to survive. You know? My mind, your mind. Speak not of revolution until you are willing to eat rats to survive. I guess a lot of us heard that piece of shit. I don't, I don't want revolution. I'm just hanging in with this cracker and see how it goes for me. And that's the mentality of a lot of our people, unfortunately. That's why, because we lack the unity that is necessary for the changes to happen for us as a people. And not just here in America, to hell with America. I'm talking about globally. I'm talking about on the continent. Where am I at? Oh. <laughs> well, Dada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar located in the West End on Ralph David Abernathy. Delicious smoothies and fruit drinks and all that kind of good stuff. Health, a health market uh, serving uh, vegan dinners on Saturday and Sunday. Across the street from Shrine of the Black Madonna. No, excuse me. Across the street from Soul Vegetarian, up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna. And the shrine is open now from 1 to, to 7 on Fridays and Saturdays and 1 to 3 on Sunday. I, it may be more, I don't know, it might be open back up for service. I don't know. Maybe I'll give them a call. And you know I still got to get down to the new Black Wall Street market. Man, oh, she. Ah, the Meddu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. The Meddu Bookstore, Mama Nia. If you don't, if you're looking for a particular book, give her a call at 404-346-3263-404-346-3263. Cause she has the finest selections of books, postcards, greeting cards, t-shirts, figurines, you know, so much. And she has a schedule of, of the things, of presentations and activities. And I want to get on that schedule too. I plan to. I get back from out of town. So that's right. The Meddu bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. 
that little bookstore that we also promote is the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar located east of here, right off of I-20 going east towards Augusta. Um, the Black Dot, uh, Main Street in Lithonia. In Lithonia, the Main Street. Give Brother Gazemde a job. We will call at 770-305-6373. 770-305-6373. Brothers and sisters, there is light in the Black Dot. And, of course, I just mentioned the new Black Wall Street Market located um, one exit east of where the Black Dot is. Okay, that's exit 75, Turner Hill Road. You exit right. You make that right right there. Go down three lights. Make another right, and it's on the left. It is a old Target store that has been transformed to a, a place where you can have all kinds of shops and things that, and man, yeah, they're going to have a lot of stuff there. So that's why I need to get down there so I can talk to you about it, tell you about it. And hopefully, if you come into the Atlanta area, if you come here, you know, you at least make that a, a point, a destination, the new Black Wall Street market. Us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people in the spirit of Ujamaa Cooperative Economics. Their Thursday night broadcast every Thursday night at from 9 to 10. Tomorrow night from 9 to 10 on blogtalkradio.com. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash U-L-U. Us lifting us. U-L-U. But if you want to listen, just listen and or give questions, comments, or concerns, you can dial 929 929- Four seven seven two seven eight nine. That's nine two nine four seven seven two seven eight nine. That's us lifting us every Thursday night from nine to ten. Homeland Village and Cultural Center and gift shop and everything else. <laughs> Brother Abija got it going on, man. I'm telling you, yes. Holistic health stuff, beauty products, oils and incense, CDs, DVDs, clothing, jewelry, furniture, so much more. As Brother Bija, he's open third Tuesdays. He's open from Tuesdays through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, located in 2910 Napier Avenue in Macon, Georgia. Give Brother Bija a call at 478-256-1166. That's 478 478- Two five six one one six six. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop in Lithonia. Brother Bija. <clears throat> Definitely want to make sure you know about the 17th annual Kibuka, remembering the middle passage through the eyes of our ancestors. The Akaban Institute, Baba Barudi and Mama Yah, November 19th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. It'll be at the sweet spot, 675 Metropolitan Parkway here in Atlanta. Families, just $20, group of family. Couples, 15, adults, 10, children, 5. If you want more information, dial 404-753-7237. That's 404 404- Seven five three seven two three seven, and of course, Occupant Institute. If you want to donate and you want to do it through PayPal or Cash App, 
Let's say it's Cash App. You dial, dial. <laughs> you put in a dollar sign, Yah, Y-A-A, the letter M, and then Baruti, B-A-R-U-T-I, and make that donation. You can do it monthly, daily, one-time shot. Whatever it is, it's going to be greatly appreciated and well-deserved and definitely well-needed. You know, we we definitely need that. Oh, Sun got a sense. Sun got a sense, your one-stop natural shop located at 4140 Jonesboro Road in Forest Park, Georgia, inside the International Discount Mall, Booth 225. For more information, contact my good sister, Shelly Armanset at 404-434-7963. That's 404-434-7963. Sun got a sense, your one-stop natural shop. And Sanjay Dash Haiti, Sister Gabrielle Aurelia, Sister Gabby, she's been doing an outstanding job of working with our young people in the northeastern portion of the island of Haiti. They rely on us. They cannot, there is no government assistance, there's no programs, there's no safety net. And when you go to the website and see what they have done, you will, you will say yes. They, they deserve it because they're doing great work. They have education for the children. You see them in you know, uniforms, health care to make sure they're nice and healthy, <clears throat> sustainable agriculture that they teach them, and, of course, entrepreneurship. So that's sanjay-it.org. Oh, you know what I didn't do? Man, I was doing all kind of other stuff thinking, and I forgot to read the Inye Saysim for yesterday. Yesterday and today. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, Oshi. Oh, shucks. Okay, well, uh, the fourth and the fifth. Okay, okay, well, reading straight up. I have no idea. Reading straight up. October 4th. It is tough being a parent especially in an alien, hostile cultural environment where your children are viewed as problems to be contained, detained, suppressed, repressed, and if necessary, terminated. Paul Infignomi Grant. Brother Paul Infignomi Grant, that's his quote. And here's Baba Baruti's response, his narrative. Our children are not to blame for their determined flight into whiteness. They neither created this world nor raised themselves. They are far from stupid. Early on, they recognize that they are burdened with the incomplete and increasingly more difficult task of defeating an enemy who dwells within and without. Those reared as Africans are keenly aware that both corrupting evils grow more entrenched and stronger with every generation. The hard questions of why we still fear need to be asked. Fear. Why do we still fear battling our enemies to the death? Why claiming belief in an African vision of self-defining, self-determining empowerment? Have not, not having created this hell is certainly no excuse for abandoning our children to it. Because we have not provided them with a sufficient empowered social, cultural, and spiritual base, it is understandable that they are they rebel against our demand that they be <clears throat> uncompromisingly African. They call the call from those who descended 
from the caves of the Caucasus Mountains is great. We have not fulfilled our role of establishing and strengthening and and fortifying a space where they can freely be African. Consequently, they continue to be left as easy prey for the wolves. Affirm the safety and serenity of African children are my foremost priority. Affirm the safety and the sanity of African children are my foremost priority. You know, as I read that, that's what the situation is. And us, those of us who know the parents, not I'm a grandparent, but I'm talking about the parents, those who are in the ages of 25 and maybe even a little earlier, all the way up into the 40s. Because we live in a society that perpetuates individualism, materialism, greed, and violence. Given that reality, it is vitally important that you educate your children at the very beginning. Somebody asked me, what, what, what age do you think? I said, from the beginning. That means from the womb. From as a baby, everything, yeah, you can play with the baby, but there are times that you give instructions to that baby and that baby begins to understand what you mean and what you say. You discipline the baby. You discipline. Discipline is self-imposed order. You're instilling discipline into the baby. And if you don't impose order, then society will impose order on that baby when it grows up to be a young child, a teenager, an adult. And punishment is what this society is all about, especially for us. So I'm saying, if you want to rear that, you must rear that child in an African environment and instilling in that child the re-Africanization that is necessary for us to have the future. Because number one, Based upon these, what these Caucasians are talking about, it is so uncertain. I mean, when you look at what's coming down the pike, you know, the, you know all this uh, uh, fascism, all this nationalism, all this Christian identity bullshit. Man, a uh, uh, civil war. They want to sell another civil war. Shh. I wouldn't if I'm I'm telling you, man, brothers and sisters, it, <laughs> the only solution for African people is for African people to throw out the yoke, throw out the oppression, throw open up our minds, release the vice grip that these crackers have on our minds, and come together to do for ourselves, to control our land, to control our resources and do for ourselves it is the only solution there is no other October 5th if we accept homosexuality as a right as is being argued by the association of sodomists and sexual perverts what moral fiber shall our society ever have to deny organized drug addictions or even those given to bestiality the rights they might claim and allege they possess under the rubrics of individual freedom and human rights and publicize their literature on them. Robert 
the old lion, Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. Let me read it again. If we accept homosexuality as a right, as is being argued by the association of sodomists and sexual perverts, what moral fiber shall our society ever have to deny organized drug addicts and drug addictions or even those given to bestiality, the rights they might claim and allege they possess under the rubrics of individual freedom and human rights and publicize their literature on them. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There is no credible evidence whatsoever that homosexuality existed in Africa prior to the arrival of the people from Europe and Asia. The most important reason for this is that Europe and Africa and Sicily are decidedly different. Their cultural being and ours are different. The European mind is more receptive to homosexuality in that it desires its bond by extremely individualistic and selfish heathenism which thrives on physical pleasure. In contrast, the family collective holds the utmost priority in African communalism. In the collective, individuals are bonded at the spiritual level. Based on this alone, no one, one cannot imagine an African society where pedophilia or other forms of homosexuality could emerge. It moves against life. And procreation is the basis of all spiritual order in the universe. Homosexuality is not productive. Not only is it unreproductive, but it is also anti-reproductive. You cannot have an absolute love of children and pedophilia in the same society. I repeat, you can have you cannot have a love. I love children. I love them. But I wouldn't fuck with a child ever in my life. I would not touch a child. Excuse me, I said that word. But I but that's how passionate I am. I would not touch a child. I would not even touch no. No. I would not go there. But they have and they continue to do so. They cannot coexist. Pedophilia destroys children and the root and defining characteristics of classical European society is pedophilia. Affirm, I am unapologetically heterosexual. Affirm, I am unapologetically heterosexual. Um, Menahochi, his wife, Nanahochi, she gave me my name at an African naming ceremony. She said that I see you in the community. This is the things that you do. And and I, you know, she said, I admire you, da, 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 and I have a name for you. And then she gave me Oshiyemi Adelabu. Oshiyemi means leadership that fits him. Adelabu means crown across great water. The name Adelabu is very big in Yoruba culture in Nigeria. Uh, the streets and so forth, name Adelabu Street, whatever. So I've been told, you know. Her husband, Nanahochi, they moved from Milwaukee because they, they had a, we have a, we had a festival in Milwaukee, African World Festival, and every year through the festivities, people go through a ceremony, a naming ceremony. And they moved to Atlanta. And uh, 
was asked of Nanahochi about homosexuality. And he said, I studied many, many African cultures. Nowhere have I found in my studies homosexuality until the European brought homosexuality into African culture and others as well. Yeah. Others as well. Brothers and sisters, the Inye Sesim of daily revolutionary thought. The Inye Sesim of daily revolutionary thought. Uh, I'm going to read a piece on uh, Brother Mickey Dean, who is the uh, out of Kansas City. He's been on this program many times. Very good man. Very good brother. He sent me this um, article on reparations. Now, I am a proponent of reparations, but not in the fashion of somebody getting some money. You know, I'm not like, what is that, ADOS? Uh, the descendants of slaves, some bullshit. But I don't know. Nobody gets some money, but us Negroes who've been here. You know, <sighs> anything that is divisive on the surface, or in actuality, or deep, you know, is wrong. Anything that is divisive, and and because the bottom line is we need to work together. We need each other. Individualism is a European Caucasian desire. I think for therefore I am. You know. Individualism. But Africa. But Africans. Collectivism is an imperative. It is a must it is how we operate. It's who we are to be collective. Man. So he sent me this piece and so I'm saying that to say that I don't promote I don't promote um, reparations for us. I, I, I don't. I don't promote reparations for us in that way I don't you know that we should find ways to get some money be just like with the mentality that we have be like a stimulus package you know let's get, in fact I've said this many times I'll say it again now many years ago many years ago about 20, 30, 30 years ago I mean time flies I'm 70 years old and, and, and my years on the fire department went by so fast. You know? Went by so fast. <clears throat> you know, but <laughs> I'm saying that I was never in favor of us getting some money. I remember reading an article sitting at the firehouse that's where I read a lot at the firehouse. I read a lot. Didn't do too much on my own because I was out and about. 
But at the firehouse, I'd read the paper from the day before, the day of, then the next day. I'd read all kind of periodicals. I'd read all kind of books. So, you know, educating myself. But anyway, I read this article. Um, there was a, I, I, I like to read editorials and opinions of individuals and even read editorials of assholes like Charles Cutheimer, who was one. You know, he died a few years ago. You know, and he, in the article, he talked about we should give them reparations. And basically what he was saying, that we gave them affirmative action. We gave them, you know, all these other civil rights laws and all this other stuff. We gave them, then let's give them affirmative action. Excuse me, let's give them reparations. Because of the mindset that they have, we'll give, let's say it's uh, 40000 a family, which ain't nothing. 20000 an individual, you know, and, 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 and so we give them the money, you know, but with the, with the mentality they have, they're not going to pull that money together. They're not, they're not going to pull that money to build institutions and do things for education and other things that change life. No, they're going to spend that money. They're going to spend that money. It'd be just like the big reparation sales, Cadillacs and coats and jewelry and so forth will stimulate the economy. And then once we give it to them, it's over. We ain't going to deal with it. Not one question of affirmative action. Not one question of a, a, a class action lawsuit. Everything is on you, on the individual, to determine what was lawful or not in terms of discrimination that you have experienced. And if you don't have anybody to corroborate what you're talking about, <laughs> get out of here. That's what they wanted. You know, that's what they wanted. I tell you, I'm going to read this article after, after the break because we're coming up on a break. And... Um, so I'll read this article, The Deep Roots of Racial Wealth Gap and How We Can Undo It. <laughs> this is a sister wrote this, Erica Taylor. And, and, I, and, and I'm not saying it like that, but you can't undo this. There's, there is no way in hell that you can really honestly deal with the gap. It is stated that it would take for Caucasians' wealth to be frozen and then 250 years of incremental wealth increases for us to be on a par with them. 200 and over 230. <laughs> and one thing you know, I don't know if you know, but I'm telling you now, I want you to know. These crackers are four square against redistribution of wealth even the poor ones because the idea of individualism is what I too can man somehow I'll get an inheritance somehow I'll hit the lottery or somehow I'd make an invention whatever I too can be wealthy I want to be with the wealth I want to be with the, the oligarchs no when you live in a society that is selfish and greedy you take on that mentality and it's many of us, especially some of those of us who are doing well. <laughs> you know, in, in, in finding some to play, because I told you I still haven't worked with my brother Kwaku to get my music right on 
on the what was what is called Zara Radio. It's been psh, months now, but I will. You know that. But I picked this one particular piece that I, as I was thumbing through looking for some music, was Coco Roco, a Colonial Mentality, Sofa London, and it's some brothers and sisters. The sisters are the brass. I have a sister on uh, tenor saxophone, a sister on trumpet, and a sister on trombone. And, um, you know, they, it's a jam. It's a jam session. So that's what I've chosen for your listening pleasure. And we, when we come back, we're going to talk about this and anything else that you want to talk about. Okay? I know we've been having some good, lively discussions here on African Perspectives as well as we should, and we welcome them. And we welcome the brothers and sisters. Speak your mind. You know? Don't don't like to get in fo- too much when he you know back and forth. And I know Brother Ralph called and apologized to me. Uh, I hear you, Brother Ralph. I feel you because I mean, listening to Brother Ralph over these many years because I was on Blog Talk Radio when Brother Ralph heard me on Blog Talk and introduced me to Brother Elliot and Time for an Awakening, and then I talked to some others and made the move to time for an awakening and I've been here ever since and will be here as long as I can you know I think it's five years easy five years you know where I live here right now because I know when I moved in this place where I live right now you know and that's been five years man I tell you once again it flies doesn't it and it it does. He, it, you know, it's just like everything else. You think that it does not, but it, it really doesn't. It's, time is consistent. It just is <laughs> consistent whether you want it to be or not. You know, <laughs> sometimes some, some things you want to hurry up. I can't wait to get there. Or sometimes, oh, man, wait, slow it down, man. I ain't ready yet. <laughs> it moves. It progresses whether you want it to or not. But it's been great. Uh, it really has. It's been uh, something, you know, that that I wanted to do. Because, you know, I, I had been on radio a number of times back in Milwaukee. Even was part of a radio program uh, when I got off, off the fire department. You know, even was part of a radio program when I was on the fire department on a once a week basis. So, you know, I was familiar I substituted for a couple of the brothers at WMCS, 1290 AM radio. You know, so I was kind of familiar of having a radio program. I, I know that I'm not that great or good. Only thing that I do have is a love for my people, a love for African and African people. And and so from that perspective, what you get on this program is independence, self-determination, liberation, and sovereignty. Everything else is moot. This this program is dedicated to pan-Africanism or we're going to perish. It, either we unify or we're going to die. That's it. So you can listen to other programs, and, and that's great, and do that. And they'll talk about the politics. They'll talk about voting. They'll talk about other things, and that's fine. But this program, you know, 
is for the liberation of the African mind. You know, so I'm gonna play this piece that I got from off the net. These brothers and sisters from the UK and uh, jazz piece, and then when we come back, get off into the article that Brother Mickey Dean sent me on, you know, the wealth gap and what can be done to close it. Not a damn thing, because <laughs> it's institutional. It's intentional. And the bottom line is, these crackers never want it. I mean, in South Africa, in South Africa, and I said this to, to on this program, and there's a piece that came out with this Caucasian lady, uh, Kim Heller, I believe it is. I can get it. But on this one brother's program, about an hour-long interview, in which something, I might even want to play it because it's, it's really good. But what she's saying is what has already been known you know, but because the perception is that the, you have all these dark faces in high places, that don't mean a damn thing. It's just like, see, the only problem here, the only problem here is the fact that Caucasians are going to lose the numeric majority that they have established and the privileges that derive from that because of the idea of majority rule. It don't make no difference because they've never been the majority in a lot of the places, but yet they still rule. They still dictate. They still kill your ass. So, anyway, <laughs> let's, let's do this. And I hope that you'll uh, stay with me so we can get off into the, off into the conversation. All right. This is uh, Coco Rojo. Ro Coco Roco Coco Roco Colonial Mentality So far London Yeah oh me that's Brother Paul maybe Brother Paul might know this group so hang on All right Oh man I was about to do something stupid <laughs> I was about to hit the heck <laughs> I was about to do something really stupid. Man, what is wrong with me today, y'all? <laughs> we'll be right back. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. Yeah. Man, it's beautiful. Beautiful group that had three sisters and they got their gay lays on, you know, one on trumpet, one on sax, and one on uh, trombone. And the brothers behind them, keyboard, drummer, two guitars. Yeah, that's cool. From from the UK. Maybe Brother Paul might know them, you know, so far. Uh, yeah. Let's get off into what we want to get off to. Um, I'm going to deal with this article on reparations, then we'll get off into the conversation. And you know, anything else you want to talk about? Let me find my glasses here. Yeah, there we go. The deep roots of racial wealth gap and how we can undo it. Sister Erica Taylor. Uh, this is a recent article of May of this year. And uh, Sister Taylor is a popular education manager for the Take on Wall Street campaign, Take on Wall Street campaign of America for financial reform. She has over 25 years of experience in popular education, organizing and advocacy. Taylor is a regular review contributor to NPR books and her writings have appeared in all kinds of good stuff, I guess. So here we go. In the more than 150 years since the end of the Civil War, American African wealth remains a fraction of that of Caucasian Americans. Just after emancipation in 1865, American Africans owned 0.5% of the national wealth. By, by 2019, that percentage had not risen above 2%. An analysis by the Brookings Institute found that the medium wealth of Caucasian families stood at 188000 while the medium, median wealth of American African families was a mere 24000 Poverty. Poverty. What's worse is that this chism or chasm or huge-ass gap has continued to grow between 1983 and 2016, adjusting for inflation, medium Caucasian wealth increased by 33% according to the Institute of Public Studies. The medium American African family, in contrast, saw their wealth decrease by more than half during that period. The pandemic has only exacerbated the situation. While closing this divide is essential to achieving racial equality in this country, it's important that we apply the right tools for the job. We can't properly solve problems without understanding their origins. The growing divide between Caucasian wealth and American African wealth is a product of economic systems designed to extract wealth from American African families, indigenous people, and other people of so-called color, and redirect it to the wealthy almost uniformity, Caucasian elites, the oligarchs. The racial wealth gap divide exists by historical design. Some of this 
extraction is obvious in a country built on stolen land with stolen labor. The United States became the wealthiest nation in the world. Today, China has earned this distinction. And what's interesting about uh, the United States being the wealthiest nation and China being the wealthiest nation and all of them have serious poverty. China has really serious poverty. And when I was reading this and thinking about China, I kept thinking about Nigeria. I'm just pulling away from here for a second family. About Nigeria. And the wealth that Nigeria could have. Nigeria could have done what the Arabs did in Dubai. Did in Abu Dhabi. Nigeria could have done that if they had the unity. If they had the commitment. But no, they want to create some some damn millionaires. Multi-millionaires. Billionaires. Religious people. Of the top ten wealthiest so-called priests. Three of them, I think. Two for sure of the top ten. I ain't talking about Creflo Dollar. Uh, 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 what's his name? The Potter House. Dude. I ain't talking about this. I'm talking about Nigerians are in Nigeria. And the wealth gap is so damn deep there. There are people who are living. I ain't talking about poverty. No, they're living in filth and squalor. They're living in a dump. They're living in a landfill. They're living in a landfill. This is this is madness, family. The Chinese, the Chinese have a lot of areas in China of serious poverty. My good sister friend Saida had, had she worked uh, teaching English in China for many years, about 15, 20 years ago. And 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 in some of the places, and, and check this out, family. And as you know, if you don't, but you're not, you do. There are many Chinese who look like us. Many Chinese who still have a have a melaninated hue. They're not the Chinese you see. It's just like all the other places around the damn world. When you see the so-called beautiful people of that of that country, and you watch their television and their commercials, you don't see the melanated people of that country, like Brazil. More Africans in Brazil than any country except Nigeria. We ain't running nothing there either. Has a direct consequence of this dispossessing of an indigenous people of 1.5 billion acres of land and using enslaved Africans to dominate the textile industry. Consider that as we as as has was reported in Yes magazine at the outbreak of the Civil War, the market value of captives in the United States. Listen to this. The market value of us in the U.S. exceeded that of banks, factories, and railroads combined. The value can't be understated. The market value of us as a commodity exceeded that of banks, factories, and railroads of that time combined. The official end of captivity, except as punishment for a crime, and of course, you remember that the 13th Amendment for punishment of a crime that you can still be enslaved. 
was not the end of the policies designed to keep African people from accumulating wealth or to extract the wealth they managed to gain. Not only did the formerly enslaved or captive not receive the 40 acres promised by the Union General William Tecumseh Sherman, nor the clarity on how 400,000 acres of land would be allocated would ever have sufficed for 4 million people. But many did not even receive a reprieve from the free labor. That's because thousands of American African men and women were rounded, particularly men, were rounded up as criminals so states could lease them to farms and private businesses to perform unpaid manual labor. The documentary and the book, Slavery by Another Name. Check it out. Go to YouTube. You might have it on YouTube. You might have it in um, um, what's that other form that you can get? Well, even on on the programs like Netflix and so forth, Slavery by Another Name, it appeared on PBS many years ago. In fact, I had it, and I showed it at the our our, uh, our hall had discussions on it. Slavery by Another Name, the peanut system. Yeah, you know, you walking down the street, the sheriff just grab you imprison you send you off to a, a labor camp you go in there you bu- you want to get some things from the commissary and now you behold him oh no no boy you still owe so you still got to be here you still got to work when you get that documentary you get a chance to see you talk about the one sister who looked for her brother till she finally found he was dead they literally worked him to death because they sent you in some of those places without the proper equipment, without the proper clothing, without the proper shoe wear. <laughs> These are some evil motherfuckers. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> blew my ear out. <laughs> they got to have these earphones off. But this is, man, I tell you. Their crimes were violations of black codes, laws passed to maintain the hierarchy. In rural Alabama, changing employers without permission, false pretense, false pretense and selling cotton after sunset were all arrestable offenses by 1890. This leasing of human beings, a form of captivity by any other means, continued through the, the 1950s continued to this leasing convict leasing continued to the 1950s once again the documentary that you by any other name well you know check it out it is not a stretch to think of incarcerated individuals as contemporary extensions of this history has more than half of the 1.5 million people being held in federal prisons today or far for any work for a few cents here and there often for private corporations. I mentioned that before. A lot of corporations, prisons open, they're private prisons. They're private prisons. They're in the business to make money. Here I have a business. I'm not making the money. The competition from overseas and here and there, and that I used to make, is my family 
this business. I had the business. Uh, uh, it's been in my family for quite a few generations. Many people work for me. In fact, some of the workers are very good and loyal workers. They've been some good workers. But damn it, my profit margins ain't what they could and should be. So around the holiday time, I send them a slip saying, uh, we, we ain't going to be having no more work here no more, y'all. I apologize to you, but we're going to close down. And everybody's upset and mad because they got a house note, a mortgage. They got uh, kids who are about to go to school. Uh, they just bought a new car, so they got a car note and insurance and so forth. I'm like, damn. So it's about to close down by the holidays, and uh, a few of the workers, they were at the, somebody's house, you know, drinking and talking. You know, kind of, it ain't like a real festive situation because some of these cats are upset, you know. So they get a little inebriated. You know, arguments happen. A fight might happen. One of them who get into the fight is has a record, previous record. He stabs the dude. <laughs> he gets put into the prison that he had just built. He's going to be doing the same thing that he was doing on the outside with a livable wage with with benefits he's doing that same job on the inside for pennies let's say let's say when you when you when your job went to the new warden in the new prison you found out what it was all about you say can you produce oh sure we can produce that i paid these workers 15 dollars an hour he says, I can do that job for you for $7 an hour. Wow. Because I know what I'm going to sell it for. I'm going to make some money. You know? And so, $7 an hour. And then, how much is, once again, the prisoners in the business do what? Make money. How much are they going to pay these prisoners? Let's say a dollar. So the prison can make six dollars on the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, family. It's that pathetic. It's that sickening. Freed people who were able to avoid imprisonment were often co-signed to a different type of wealth extraction, sharecropping. What the, what Tassanani Coates writing for the Atlantic? Describes as debt peonage. In Coates' words, this was the implement, implemented by cotton kings who were at once their landlords, their employers, and merchants who would drive African farmers deep into debt. By the 1890s, 75% of American African farmers were sharecroppers. By the early 20th century, U.S. laws hindered opportunities for American Africans to create wealth on multiple fronts. Jim Crow laws allowed for legal discrimination against our people, including restrictions on the kinds of jobs that they could hold and the incomes that they could make. The newly established Social Security program, by design, didn't initiate then initially apply to agricultural and domestic workers, positions disproportionately that are held by us. But they but they paid into it. They paid into whatever they had. <laughs> God, they so damn mean. So in 1935, 65% of all American Africans and 70 to 80% of African Southerners were ineligible to receive Social Security. Additionally, state-sponsored 
redlining, a notorious practice which banks refused loans to those who lived in these communities, kept American African people ineligible for home loans, and, and radical covenants prevented American African people from moving into Caucasian neighborhoods. Today, American African home ownership is 43%. It's not only substantially lower than Caucasian home ownership, which is 73%, but it's also lower than it was 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, 50-some percent of us owned our homes. There are just a few. These are just a few of the policies and practices hardwired into the financial system dominated by Wall Street that have contributed to the racial wealth divide. Each has made the intergenerational transfer of wealth more challenging for African people. The website in... Is our economy fair.com? Excuse me, no, no, I apologize. Is our economy fair.org, which I run, details such wealth extraction and exclusion from colonization to the present day. My organization, Take On Wall Street, developed this interactive site to lay bare the extent to which our economy was designed for the needs of the elite, almost entirely white few. It, remain, it reminds us of the vast scale of the problem and underscores for that solutions must also be extensive. The strategies we use to address these disparities should only be structured in their nature, but they must also address the root causes of the problem. Financial literacy won't address the wealth divide because financial literacy didn't create it. Generations of wealth extraction and exclusion did. Reparations to address the harms of captivity and its deep-rooted legacy of systematic and institutional racism is one direct solution to the racial wealth divide. Having seen little movement on the federal level, communities around the nation are moving toward what they, uh, their own reparation offers. One, many of these are at the municipal level like the efforts led by the mayors organized by the mayors organized for reparations and equality and aimed to repair the harm done by generations of racist policies there's also a reparations task force in California that will release its proposal to the state legislature in June of next year and in the first ever state-based reparations effort some reparation campaigns, however, have been initiated by the victims of racist policies themselves, such as an effort in um, Tulalusa, Oklahoma. The town is likely the oldest of a dozen of American African communities established in the state of Oklahoma between the Civil War and the Depression. I was informed that Oklahoma, not, I mean, you heard about Bowley, Oklahoma, I guess because that was one of the first ones, and of course you know about Tulsa, but there were many other uh, townships that were established by us. And, 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 you know, when I've asked the question consistently, and we'll, and we'll continue, is there a place in this country, is there a place in this country where we as African people run the town? It has to have a bank, Schools, hospitals, it's a town. This is a town, where and, and we run it. Is there, and were there jobs and sustainability? Is there? 
like it could have been and was back in the time of Tulsa and Rosewood, Elaine, Arkansas, of Allenworth in Los Angeles, all destroyed by Caucasians. The town is likely the oldest of dozens of, of African communities established in the state before the Civil War, between the Civil War and the Great Depression. Once a booming community, decades of disinvestment, banking discrimination, and enduring legacies of captivity have left Tallahassee. I think it's Tallahassee. It looks like Tallahassee, but it's not. It's not Tal. It's Tall. Tallahassee residents struggling to remain financially afloat. Now, led by Mayor Keisha Curran, they are fighting for reparations, aiming to revitalize the town and establish it as a safe haven for African people. Another state-level effort that doesn't necessarily rise to the level reparation centers on the, the undoing structural racism embedded in state tax codes. Last year, the Oregon legislation Legislators House Revenue Committee held a hearing to identify how its tax policy harms communities of color and to examine strategies for repairing for repairing communities of color. Tax policies on state levels. Okay. I'm gonna get with everybody in a minute, family. Okay, tax policies on the state level and local level have typically resulted in American Africans, indigenous people, people of color, subsidizing benefits that are often available only to Caucasians from the GI Bill in the early years, the student loan interest and deductions, home ownership policies, and, and more. In an institution-based approach to reparations, the If Education Foundation, based in D.C., has launched a project to to illuminate the ways, no, excuse me, to eliminate the ways in which, no, it is to illuminate, to illuminate the ways in which African people's labor and genius have been exploited and stolen to build philanthropic wealth in the D.C. region. It intends, by outlining the details of and quantifying harm on a foundation-by-foundation basis to build a case for the D.C. Aries Foundation to engage in a repetitive philanthropy. The scale of the problem of racial wealth gap and the harm will ultimately require federal intervention. Communities of our elected representatives need to be need to continue pushing for nationwide reparations for American African people harmed by generations of racist policies, while Congress can also advance targeted strategies such as taxing the wealth rather than the merely the incomes of financial elite. Congress can also achieve some wealth redistribution by increasing taxes on corporations and adopting policies that improve outcomes for all, like the baby bonds. I ain't hip to the baby bonds. The most important thing we can do is to remember that broad-based Systematic harm required broad-based systematic interventions. That means understanding how we got into this mess in the first place so that our solutions don't treat the symptoms while ignoring the disease. The deep roots of racial wealth gap and how we can undo it. You can't. I hate to be the bearer of that bad news. At least I have no I have no uh, uh, confidence at all 
in that changing. If you want to get in this conversation, hit star twice or dial 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. Talk about what you want to talk about. I felt that was a good uh, piece. I just got that piece from Brother Mint. Sorry for the radio. Uh, 215 215 215-215. Good afternoon. Brother T, how you doing? Oh, doing well, man. You got a lot of bad background noise for me today. Okay. All right, let me, I'm walking. Let me take this uh, earphone out. Okay. Hey, man, thanks for what you sent me. I'm definitely going to get off into that. It's deep, man. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you very can well you now, me, brother? brother. I can hear you very clearly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to send some well wishes to those that are hurting, those that have issues and all types of problems getting from place to place. I'm going to say a prayer for them and may the Almighty lift their spirits and their soul and allow them to be replenished. To those that are hungry, may they be nourished. Mm-hmm. May the Almighty lift their hearts and souls. But I wanted to ask you if you knew about China opening up police stations in the United States. China opening up what? Police stations? Yep. They opened up one in New York. They're doing it all over the world. These people, I know they've done it in Africa. I know they have, I know yeah. they have some um, uh, places in Africa for security. You know, where Chinese. Well, they're saying that they're trying to get their citizens and bringing them back to China. They're looking and searching for their citizens, which I don't believe. I believe that they're here for any type of, uh, show you, what, what, what would they call that? A, uh, a foreign agent that, uh, that, uh, messes up or uh, disrupts. Agent provocateurs. Uh, country. Agent provocateurs. There yeah. There you go. Yeah. Agent so provocateurs. I told people years Sabotage. ago there was a requisition for one million red berets and a whole lot of other things that people couldn't understand. And I told them that was their alliance with China and they were bringing China, Chinese over here to work against us. Mm. So not only are they opening it up all over the country, but New York City has allowed that to happen. Mm. Now, I wonder, if, past, you know, I, wonder if, I wonder if the mayor, Eric Adams, knows about this. I'm saying that sarcastically. Oh, that idiot. That idiot knows that he's got his hand in everything but the right thing. Yeah. He doesn't care about human life. He doesn't care about anything but himself. I don't even think that he knows what he's talking about. Half of these people yeah. claim to be uh, educated, but they, they really aren't. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to also add on a conversation of what the brother Jay was saying about how conversations get ruined. Friendships get ruined because of misunderstandings and disagreements, particularly over politics and religion. I understand that, and I know it because I just went through it myself. Friends of mine called me Republicans or whatever. But here's the the problem with that. Them distancing themselves from us and me from their families allows me to move my resources to someone else. I am the one that protects them. When they need somebody to be hired to go with them, to go pick up their checks, Mm -hmm. I'm the guy that they hire. So when they do stupid stuff like that over something that doesn't matter, because I can't be a Republican if I never voted Republican anyway, <laughs> just the fact that they would they would throw away a friendship yeah. like that over something stupid yeah. is you know is, is is beyond comparison. But also about that pedophilia, I don't know if I sent you the videos of what they're doing in this this uh, 
tranny story time all over the country mm-hmm. where they're allowing children to sit right. on uh, males' laps and right. touch their private parts. I don't but know. it's becoming, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I know. Your vigor. I, 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 I know they're transsexuals. They have, you know, they, they, they have the all of the makeup on, the bouffant wigs and everything like that, and dressed as women and you got and so forth. And then they read these stories pretty much promoting and, and pushing it. You know, it's a sick-ass society, man. I I tell you, it's a sick-ass society. And they're letting four or five years old put dollars in their G-strings. Yeah, see. And their parents are there. So this here is what you call the fall. But I want to add on also another one of your calls, the uh, Research West. He was talking about the dollar and its price. The dollar in 1960 was worth, I think, 24 cents. Now it's only worth two cents. That's how far we are. And because the interest rate has not been moving the way it's supposed to be, we're supposed to be at point at eight, and we're not at eight. And that's why this problem is getting worse. And the UN just passed and told the world and those who move the interest rate to not move it at all. They're pushing us into a further recession and a further collapse. Now, regardless of that, I've been telling people for a while, you need something tangible. So I've, you know, I've been for years buying my gold and my silver. Mm-hmm. I even tried my crypto. The crypto is iffy. And yeah. even though I figured yeah. out that they could find out who you are because you have to give your uh, driver's license or whatever, mm-hmm. and people would say, well, aren't you worried about that? Well, the, the country has my fingerprints anyway for my contractual work for mm-hmm. all these agencies that I work for. So I'm not hiding from anybody. They already fried my computers. They already right. did all this other stuff. They already right. visited me. So it takes time when people must stand up and not be afraid of anything. Brother. And this dollar collapse. Brother ahead, brother, brother. Brother T, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I ain't I ain't doing shit clandestinely. I ain't hiding on nothing. I'm trying to awaken the people who have been put to sleep by evil ass system and society that that's gonna lead them down a road of destruction. An elimination. So no, I ain't hiding. And of course, I could be knocked off. They could come here to place, or as I'm leaving this place or driving down the street, you know, they could get rid of. They have the ability to do that. But I ain't scared. I'm not scared. You're a grown man and a firefighter. Anybody (laughs) that runs into a fire got to be out their mind. (laughs) No, actually, a lot of heart. You know what I mean. I hear you, bro. I don't, T. Yeah, so uh, so uh, so other, otherwise, I've been telling people what they should stock up on, ration-wise, sure. little stuff like corned beef hash and all this yeah. other stuff that they need to be getting supplies or what have you. Because it's so close. I sent you a video, and I sent a few other people some stuff, yeah. and they're they're not hiding it. They're no. telling oh, you no. it's coming. They're laughing. Right. They're not. It's in your face. They're not hiding it. It's in your face. You know? And they're and doing it, and, and it's global. That's right. It's, it's all in lockstep, what they called it. And I told my neighbors, I'm going to close on this. I told my neighbors and friends years ago, and I think I told you that when it does go down, I know people are going to be knocking on my door for resources. People are going to be asking for all sorts of help because when people get shot in my neighborhood, I'm the one that triages. I'm the one that people call when somebody dies. I come to the house. I identify people. I go down to the morgue or what have you. So when this goes down, these people knocking and banging on my door to get in. I'm going to leave a bunch of them outside the front of my door with a sign that says, you will be killed mm. if you come into my house. I say, you've been forewarned. And I close on that. You've been forewarned. blessings, brother. You've been forewarned. 
My brother, you have a blessed Peace day, and blessings man. blessings, and to everyone, I hope everyone stay healthy and strong. Right on, Brother T. Stay safe, man. Peace and blessings. Peace. Yeah, it's my guy, man. Brother T. A-B-C-T. On the case, man. Remember, if, uh, we got a lot of people in the queue here. If you want to join the conversation, hit star twice. Get you in the, you know. Otherwise, uh, dial 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. Let me hit up Brother Wes. Research Wes. 404-404. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Yuhuru. Yuhuru, brother. Yuhuru. Yes, sir. I want to give thank y'all today. Today is the day of atonement. High holy day. Yom Kippur. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. The, U- the European Jews. You know, I don't know. Well, I, I'm talking about the real. I'm talking yeah. about the real today of atonement. I, I, ain't, I don't celebrate that shit by no Rosh Hashanah. Ain't no damn New Year, so that's bullshit. <laughs> so you got to, you got to superimpose whatever they say in research. Because my man talking about uh, uh, some shit about children sitting on dudes' knees. Hell, they been tricking y'all niggas to do that shit on December 25th, man. <laughs> take your children to the white. So what the fuck, man? Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Wes. Come on, Wes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I, I feel I'm you. with you, man. I, please. Please. Because, yeah. I mean, I well, understand uh, and I feel. Future. Hold on, hold on. I understand and I feel your righteous rage. Uh-huh. You know, that's just like when I was attending Baba Baruti's presentation a month or so ago, mm-hmm. and I went off, you know. I didn't know what was being live-streamed, yeah. and a brother, uh, one of the elders got yeah. on the got on the, on the the horn, and I, and then, you know, said you shouldn't. And I, and I said, well, yeah. so, so, elder, I said, I, 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 I apologize, yeah. but you must understand, this is part of my righteous rage. I, you know, sometimes yeah. when I'm talking about this madness, man, I'm just like you, Wes. I go yeah. off because the bottom line is this shit can make you do that. You know? Yes, sir. And if, you, if you don't feel a rage, man, a black man in the world, you, 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 that, you right. just sleep, man. That's right. Man nod, man. So we got a right yeah. to feel this way, man. Yeah, that's, that's, look at here, man. that's what, uh, uh, when you were talking about, uh, uh, that slavery about, uh, uh, these businesses picking up black people back in the day, they yeah. did it in Atlanta, uh, with this place called, uh, Chattahoochee Brick Company, man. Yeah. Where they was rounding up brothers off the street to work. So that site, yeah, has been, uh, the city took it back because, uh, what's that? North Park mm-hmm. and Southern Railroad wanted to do something, but the city, I think to my man Derek Bozo, he found out about the information okay. and, and made North Park Southern and the city of Atlanta bought that spot and was going to put something up there for the brothers that that, that buried there, man. Oh, wow. Okay, but, uh, that's cool. You, you t- to, to acknowledge yeah, the fact of what happened. About, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, then you were talking about Nigeria. I read something about Nigeria, uh, uh, their communication, their TV channel. I guess they move, make moves. They say they're not taking no Europeans on that channel, not their commercials and all that. I don't know if you. I'm no, I haven't heard that. I haven't but heard I, that. But let me say this: I, I applaud them. Yeah. And there's a number of countries that that are starting to say, "Hey." In fact, Nigeria was one that said that they're not going to allow uh, uh, Tesla, you know, Elon Musk, and them to buy uh, uh, the lithium from them. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you want their lithium, now you'll buy the batteries from them because they're talking about producing this stuff. That's the thing. That is the, yes, brother, brother West, that is the thing about Africa. They have the resources, but they don't produce nothing. If you remember, I said, go to, to YouTube and look up this cat. Uh, um, in fact, even better, go to, um, what was that? Let me, let me pull it up here. Uh, that um, uh, uh, Howard Nicholas. 
Go to YouTube and go, this cat in this Caucasian named Howard Nicholas, who was talking to a group that don't show anybody in it, but I imagine it's nothing but Caucasians. And he's saying, we must keep Africa poor. Africa must not be allowed to, uh, uh, to produce anything. We must take their resources and we produce and sell stuff back to them. We must keep no, them. No, that ain't gonna happen, man. You know? But like you, like you said something about the rice, man. I don't know mm-hmm. if you said something about some rice, but I didn't listen to so many programs. But give my man Tim, man, my, my, my information so we can uh, cross-reference stuff, man. I like my man Tim. Oh, oh. But my approach is. Okay, brother yeah, T. Yeah, my approach is. I ain't, I ain't telling nobody what I got. So, because yeah. hit the fan, I ain't got nothing. I, I know how to play that role, man. Okay, well, I, I'll, I'll do that. that. I'll, I'll forward your number to brother T, and he's a, He's out of Philadelphia. He's out of Philadelphia as well. Okay, I'll definitely do that. uh, Yeah, because I I like cross-referencing with smart people, man. Yeah, I I hear you. If somebody dumb and stupid, I don't want to get in contact with. Oh no, brother! I rise to the highest level. Yeah. Oh no, brother! Brother T is on is on point, man. He's doing stuff. He's on point. So, all right, dear brother. That's how it works, man. All right, stay with me, brother. Man, uh, yes, sir. I stay with you. I appreciate all all the time. Right on. Thanks a lot, Research West. Peace. Um, three three four three three four. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, brother Oshi. Peace and blessings. Look, uh, real quickly, the name of that Erica Taylor article. Could you share that one more time? Please? I sure will. I sure will, dear brother. It's the deep roots of racial wealth gap. The deep roots of racial wealth gap and how we undo it. And how we on it's yesmagazine.org. Yesmagazine.org. Okay. Got it. okay? And it's got it. Thank and it's, you so it's, very it, much. it's a recent article too, okay? All right, my All brother. Right. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother. No, thank Peace. you. Peace. That's a good brother there, man. I'm, hey man, listen, I'm looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> okay. I really am. I really am. I'm looking forward to meeting you, man. Maybe obviously, uh, maybe in the next couple of months, but sure by springtime when we when start traveling, everything's kind of open up a little bit. Take a ride over to uh, Montgomery. I've, I've been to Montgomery, and um, and I look forward to coming again and going to the initiative uh, for the memorial, which is deep, and to the museum, which is um, very. I, I like as an interactive museum, man. It's really cool. So. Um, let me see what we got here. Ah, oh, three four seven, three four seven. Good afternoon. Yeah, what's happening? Oh, just call to holler at you right quick. See what was going on. Oh, nothing much, man. Jay, nothing too much, man. I just as a point of conversation, just read another article I just got. Uh, my good brother um, Mickey Dean out of Kansas City National Black United Front, Kansas City, Missouri. He uh, sent me a, a piece on the deep roots of racial wealth gap and how we undo it, you know, and I saw I use that as a, a discussion point for today, but we talk about anything, man. So, well, you that, know, you know, as far as the wealth gap go, the only way black people going to get out of the wealth gap is to come together collectively and do business amongst these, uh, amongst ourselves, just yeah. like every other ethnic group do. Yeah. But we don't, we don't have that type of vision. Our vision is to give 
our so-called wealth to the white man back. Yeah. You know, we don't yeah. we don't build communities like other ethnic groups does. We don't build build businesses. And if you do have a successful black black person, it seems psychologically black people don't want to support it on the level that um we should because they don't want to see one black man have more than them. I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's psychological. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we don't even. If if you want to be honest, we as as brothers and sisters don't even have a brotherhood of understanding a, amongst our amongst ourselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it. Look, the bottom line is, black people got a lot of issues that we need to deal with based on our enslavement and the way that we've been nurtured and cultivated by the white man. That's all. You know, until we can break that psychological chain, we're going to always be in a position to where we don't communicate with one another. If one don't agree with your position, then they now become the enemy and all of that nonsense. I mean, it's, you know, my whole thing is you get what you get from the Negro, yeah. man. Yeah, it's sad. And it's sad. in all truthfulness, you're not going to get anything long-lasting, everlasting. And um, that's why there's no real brotherhood. Yeah. That's why you can't get us to come together to do anything. That's why you don't really have institutions that's for the liberation and the sovereignty of of black people but you have BS institutions like sororities and fraternities that don't even represent your Africanness. Right, everything is still geared towards whiteness. Right, everything is, we're psychologically fucked up, excuse me, messed up because we still... You you said the right word. Yeah, but I apologize. You said said the right word. I mean, come on. You know, the the reality is this. We have never been taught since we've been in this place of hell how to love one another as brothers and sisters. Right. So when you don't have that type of understanding, that type of love, that type of intellect that comes into play to move forward, then you know why do you think we in this this position we in? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, just just think about it. What do the white man do? The white man just use your black ass. Prime example. Prime example. That sick Negro, Hershey Walker. But here it is, an intelligent, clear thinking black man could say, "I'll give him a chance." Mm-hmm. But there it is, the white man allowed him to get away with all sorts of shenanigans and they know he causing them problems and issues. Do they turn their back on him? Hmm. Do they turn their back on him? Don't they double down yeah. on him? Yeah. yeah. But here it is, we we as a people get upset with a person who has done things for black people, mm-hmm. continuously tried to do things for black people, all because 
they support someone that you can't control, you can't yeah. do nothing about. And that in all truthfulness, you don't even interact with other than a cash transaction. Mm-hmm. They don't even try to interfere with what you're doing. Right. Jay. They live in, the, in separate communities and in, in, in separate villages. They, they commercial one themselves, but they put themselves in a position to whereas they always protecting themselves from what? From what? Their Holocaust being placed on them again. But do we do that? Nah. Jay. We Jay, don't do that. Jay, listen. Uh, one of the callers mentioned a, that the Chinese, because I mentioned within the, the article that I read, that America was once the, the, the top economic power in the world. Now it's the Chinese. The irony of both of them, they have serious poverty within those two countries. They have serious poverty here, not as bad as China, and not as bad as other places, because at China they have some serious poverty. And, and it's ironic, too, that the some melanated people, more than melanated people, are the ones that are suffering it in some of the regions of China. But the point being that he mentioned was there there is a security force located here in the United States that is Chinese. He said one is located in New York. Huh? Yeah, but, but, but check this out, oh. You remember back in the 80s and the 90s? You remember back in the 80s and the 90s when the nation of Islam tried to come into our community? Right, yeah. Make a change? Right, make a change because of drug addiction. Uh huh. And, and, and make a change because of, because of the drugs? Right, and, and what happened? Yeah. And what happened? Yeah, I remember. Black folks, no, no, no. Everybody want to blame the Jew on that. Mm-hmm. But it was black folks who went along with that shit. Mm-hmm. It was black congressmen, black black senators. Well, there wasn't no black senator at that time. Well, Charlie Rangel? people who went, along, who went along with it. And believe me, I live in New York. I know the area. What they were doing with that security patrol with the nation of Islam, if it was allowed to continue, they'd have been able to move it into all of these other projects and the crime would have been totally different. Because let me tell you something, oh, and I'm telling you this for a fact. They cut down basically 60% of the crime that was going on in that development and would have took it to basically nothing if they would have been allowed to. Because the Nation of Islam had developed an aura or an appearance of seriousness when you come dealing with them. They were not joking. Yeah, you see the brother on the street selling the final call and selling bean pies and some fruit, but you didn't mess with the Nation of Islam. You didn't mess with the no. Nation of Islam when it was under the leadership of Elijah Muhammad. You definitely didn't mess with the Nation of Islam when it was under the leadership uh, under his uh, uh, national spokesperson, you know, Malik Shabazz, Malcolm X. You didn't mess with him. In fact, in that in that uh, uh, Spike Lee's movie. When the when the police officer said that man has a lot of power, that is from a true statement, because and that's why truly I believe that this society wanted to definitely get rid of Malik El Shabazz. You know, because if he has the ability to move a great amount of black men in a direction that 
that is higher than what this society has uh, 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 um, basically limits black men to go because they always want to restrain us because they, I mean, listen, Jay, who's the greatest threat to, to white men? And white men want to dominate. Who's the greatest threat? And ain't sisters, it's black men. Who's the greatest threat for genetic annihilation? It ain't sisters, it's black men. So they always try to suppress us. They always try to effeminize us. So I'm saying, you know, you, you're right. You're right. Hey, hey, listen. Oh, this is the reality. If we ever got ourselves together amongst one another, we'd be in a 100% better position. Yeah. If we ever got in, 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 in control of our emotions, in the way that we interact with one another and put forward a vision on how we're going to move forward, we'd be in a whole different position. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, hey, it ain't happening, man. Right. It's not happening. And, and, you know, it, 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 it hurts me the way that we interact and we treat one another. And most of the time, it's over the most minute, petty shit one could imagine. It's not about anything life or death. It's never about anything life-giving. It's always about some bullshit perceived notion that you were disrespected. White men disrespect you every, every day. day of your life. Every day. And, you and what do you do? And what do you do? It's just like the, all these other thugs yeah. out here. You know, and, and even, yeah. once, damn, I'm, this is the second time I'm going to refer back to the last poets. You know, and, and you know, the last poets were famous 50 years ago in the I, 70s. I know. I, I, know, yeah. I know two of them. Omar Ben Hassan. You know? Remember Omar, Omar Ben Hassan? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I yeah. told you I know two of them. Yeah, but listen. Jose, um, uh, Felipe Luciano and um, Obi Adun. Yeah, Obi Adun. Listen, so it said, it said, you know, ben, I'm definitely paraphrasing, mind you, that, you know, we need some guns. Where's, where, where's the black folks at when we need some guns, but we out here shooting each other, see, for the struggle. See, we out here shooting each other. But let me let me take this call right here, Jay. Just hold on, okay? All right. Thanks, brother. Peace. 404-404-697. Good afternoon. Yeah, greetings. Greetings, my yeah, sisters. Greetings, greetings, my sisters. How are you? O.C. How, how are I'm you? I'm blessed. Great. Sister I'm blessed. I enjoy your program. And, um, you know, I, I'm, there, there's, um, you know, there's a, a good thing about... Uh, you know, appropriateness for self-criticism. Okay. Yes, and I agree. I'm hearing a lot of that. Agreed. Okay. I and agree. Yes. But I wanted to also keep in mind that we are a beautiful people. And I, and I believe in the victory of our cause. And a lot of us do come together. We shouldn't negate all the love that we have. Look at you. You got love for your people. Look at Baba Baruchi. Look at Mama Marimba. Look at Wade Noble. Look at Over the Side. Look at all the beautiful Mama Nabantu. Mm-hmm. We are beautiful people. And this, there are those of us that love each other. So for us just to say we all hate each other and we ain't no good and we ain't going to do nothing, 
Okay, that can be self-defeating, and we got to keep our eye on the prize. I mean, we have been attacked. Uh, we've experienced them often, and, and look how strong we are. We're still mm-hmm. coming back. We have resilience. And so I believe we have to have faith in ourselves and believe in ourselves and spread the truth. Yeah. You know, just like you do, Brother Elliot, I, I've mm-hmm. listened to his show, Time for Awakening. And they, you know, we we supporting and loving our people, and we gotta educate and just support and build. Yeah. You know, so I just wanted to well, say that. Well, I appreciate that. No, but let me just say, I feel, and I feel like, I mean, this brother was saying it hurts him when we talk about. You know, it, it can hurt people too the way they get constantly attacked. Black people. I mean, yeah. and it's different ones of us, and we gotta see each other, and we can. You know, a lot of people are. They may have different views, but we still could be working for African people. Right. Okay. Because I looked, the other day, I heard there was a. I, I believe it was a um, a put down of um, one of the brothers uh, that uh, has the show. Um, he he comes on uh, and about that he wears African attire, and they were saying oh, why oh, you wearing African attire? Oh, not oh, African. Robert yeah. Martin. Robert Martin. Martin. Yeah. I'm just saying. What? Okay. I think it's beautiful that people like we got some beautiful culture. And if somebody yeah. wants to wear African clothes, I don't think they should be condemned for that. No, no, I mean, no, no, sister. Yeah. I think the issue is this: he's wearing it, but he's not there. His mindset is not there. He's not African centered. Okay. But okay. I agree with you. Okay. I agree with you. Him yeah, wearing he it. That. He does do some things though. So because that that could stuff. be a step. He does do some positive things for African people. I think it's good that he's trying to have a black business. And that he is making ties with African people in Ghana and things. Mm-hmm. So he may have some negatives, you know, and positives right. and things right. different than our Pan-African view. But just the, the vitriol and the, you know, just the, you know, constant condemnation of all the African people. Look well, at some of the other things that they sure. do. Too. Well, so other, the, other, the other thing, Sister Ibea, is that I think what frustrates a lot of us is that the, that the mindset that we have the love that we have is the exception. It is not the rule. And the rule I don't know is that. all, huh? I don't know that. I think that when things happen, African people will, they, they will come together. I mean, if, if when we see, like, take George Floyd or take these young brothers that are getting shot and things, people, the, the, the black community, the African people in the country, they all come together and, and they and, the majority are not for that, and and we support, uh, uh, you know, we, we support coming together and, and against atrocities and and uh, about good things too. So I don't know that we we the exception. I mean, okay, well, I'm I not... mean, even if they, they hold on, hold on, Jay, hold on, Jay. Let's 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 just spread the word and 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 you know. Believe, and believe in ourselves, we're going to uprise again. Well, no, Sister Bia, I agree we accentuate the positive, but the reality is we got to deal with that. We're in an environment where the positivity of us is not supported. Okay? Right. So we got to support it. I agree with that. That's what we must do. Right. But we also must deal with the reality of the predominance of ignorance, the predominance of negativity, the predominance of self-hatred. So we got to deal with that too, you know. So I agree, let's, sister. Let's deal with it. Hey, I really. Hey, oh, let's deal with oh. it and know that we're gonna win and love each other. Right. You That's know, I agree. Hey, hold, gonna, hold on, Jay. I believe, I believe we're gonna win. I, I'm not of that mindset. I'm like what Brother Paul was saying too one day. Mm-hmm. I believe let's do what we need to do 
and just keep fighting and fighting for our people and, and believing in ourselves that we're going to win. I, I mean, just like you're good people. You know, you're good people. I know you're good people. I'm, and it's, and let's, let's bring together that. Okay. All right, dear. All right. And all right, Jay, go ahead. Hey, 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 O.C., let me, let me ask you, let me ask you this one question. Okay. Isn't one of the principles of culture is to be honest and truthful and not to, as my boy said in the movie, Stump the Yard, to be a pretender? How could I, as an African, someone who wear cultural dress from a cultural perspective, allow some Negro like Roland Martin, who's not a Pan-African, who's not a nationalist, who because, yes, he supports black people in a white vision, not say anything to him about pretending to be something that he's not by wearing African dress. Do any other culture allow you to wear their spiritual I, 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 I can't speak to that. I can't speak to that, but I'm quite sure there are people within various cultures who wear the dress who have been uh, indoctrinated by Western society thinking that way. So even though they're wearing I, the, the native... Okay, let me ask you this even though they're, Hold on, let me, hold on, let me can finish. I, can hold, I wear yeah. a yarmulke? Hold on. Hell no. Can I wear no, a yarmulke no. and not be a Jew? No, you cannot. Okay, so why, so why should you... Because I mean, if you did... Hold on, Jay. Hold on, Jay. Because you could... But you will be questioned, and you might get a beat okay, down. So I can't question this. I can't question this Negro for being a pretender wearing African dress right. and putting out there that he's a Pan-Africanist and he's a nationalist, and that's what he supports. No, I no, I can't do that, right? No, you can't because, because you know black. why. You know why you can't. You know why? No Hold on, because that's the reason why, right? No, the, no, you can. You know why? Because you can. Because he doesn't. Okay? He doesn't what? Support a nationalist cause. He's not a Pan-Africanist. So, so, so then I, I, I have a right yes. to challenge him on why he's been a pretender. Yeah. And I've, I have no hatred for him. Yeah. I say so. I watch his program. I support some of the things he do. But you're not going to insult me by wearing African dress. When you don't represent that spiritually or culturally, that's not right. That's not fair to me. That's not fair to Africans. And I mean, hey, listen, it's just like Baba Rudy, I heard him on your program say, when I go around white folks, I wear white folks' uniform. When I'm around my people, I wear African attire. And if you ever see Baba Baruti, he's always in African attire when he's around African people. So why should I allow some Negro like Roland Martin to get away with disrespecting my culture? Well, and what my group could represent. Let me because say. No let me say this, Jay. Let me say this, Jay. But I think that Jay, Jay. Let me say this. I think that you know, I look at this as a step for Roland Martin. Roland Martin, because there was a call saying that, and everybody made this call in 2019. It's 600 years, you know, from 1619 to 20 2019. 400 years, excuse me. 
that we're going to come back to, to the motherland. He made that call. He went back. He went through, you know, all the things that they were talking about in Ghana. Uh, he went to the door. He went to uh, 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 the dungeons, not castles. They ain't no got, they ain't no damn castle. They're dungeons. So he went to the dungeon in uh, uh, Cape Coast dungeon or maybe Elmina dungeon. They're not too far apart, you know, whatever. And, and he's felt that spiritual felt. And so I guess that caused in him, caused him to begin to wear African attire. So it's a step. It's a step for him. And maybe who knows? Who knows? His mentality, uh, may begin to change even more so. I don't know, but I agree with you and I understand what you're saying. Because to me, if, if you put this on, that's, and, and you trying to wear this all the time, then that's how you should be talking. You know, not fronting. That's how you should be talking. You know? So I, I fashion yeah. statement, bro. Yeah. That's all, that's all it yeah. is, is a fashion statement. Yeah. And again, and again, we fall for it. We fall for the disrespect. And I mean, hey man, but you know, it's it's all it's it's all good because you know oh, something we have a right to have different perspectives yeah. and different ways of thinking and you know, hey man, as they say, OC, do you. Yeah, do you. <laughs> all right. This is America. This is America. That's and, that's the hey, point. That's one you. of the things that's one of the things I hate about this place. You know, we're not a monolith. I wish we were. I wish we did think pretty much alike where we felt that, hey, you know, we need to challenge shit and so forth. I wish we did. But anyway, man, I didn't even know that it's already 10 after 10 after uh, one. So, uh, I, you know, sometimes you, you, you just get lost in time and, then you know, time passes you <laughs> when, you're having, when you're having fun, Jay. <laughs> That's it. When you're having fun. Right on, brother. Appreciate you, man. Hotel. <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. But not just the M-I-N-D, the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of the African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants think they can't do it out, and they sure in the hell, damn it, don't want to pay for it. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shimhotep means go in peace. Asante sana means thank you. Abibi Fahodie. Abibi Fahodie means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. You have a blessed and wonderful day, family. Peace. Hope to see you on Friday. This Friday, once again, I'm going to have Brother Apollo on. And we're going to talk about what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi. A good update on the water situation and the atmospheric water generator, the AWG, that Brother Moses West has created. And we're going to talk about that and some other things. So hope to see you on Friday, family. All right. Peace.